it seems like two or three years we've been saying, we're going to get chickens, we're going to get chickens. Now all of a sudden we're in the past tense. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of April 17, 2014. Yes. Yesterday, we got four laying hens. We went to the Prattville Farm Center and got four adult hens. Well, one of them actually is a little less mature than the others, but they're all, um, I would call them adults. And one, they're a cross between a barred rock and an Americana. And so we're not really sure what color the eggs are going to be, but we've been told they're already laying. So we'll see. Yeah, but I'm excited. Um, we had already bought a, a coop, chicken coop from Costco a couple of weeks ago. And we had that ready. You went ahead and secured the the bottom of it underneath with some additional hardware cloth so that predators can't dig up underneath and get in from the bottom. And then um, so we we were ready. And, oh, we bought a feeder. We bought a waterer. Um, we bought some, you'd already bought some chicken scratch. And then we bought some oyster shells. So we're in business. Our original plan for chickens remains intact. We're still hoping to do chicken tractors on the orchard floor. We're not giving up on that. I think basically we just got tired of waiting and decided let's just go ahead and at least begin watching some chickens and see how they grow, see what they need, how they interact with each other how Adi gets along with them, which is a whole different story. Um, so this is a decision, I think, on our part to tiptoe in sooner rather than later. That's right. And we hope that we'll be able to let them be free range when we're out there with them, which is most days. And uh, to, as you said, we'll have a chicken tractor with an open bottom so that they can scratch and um peck that's one thing i've noticed they like to peck they peck a lot so um we hope that we'll provide them a nice ground to do that on it's a lot of fun to watch them of course everybody says that and they're right it's just very um relaxing i guess to watch the chickens um and it was gratifying to see how quickly they became comfortable in our little coop that we had provided right for them. And, and the coop that we bought claims that it's the right size for up to four chickens so we have four chickens and that and they are pretty cozy in there yeah. they, you would you certainly wouldn't want to have any more than four they've been together for a while when we bought them the people at the um, farm center told us that they um, in fact they were the last four hens there the rest of the chickens in there with them were roosters so those girls have been together and already have their pecking order established um, so we don't have too many feathers flying, too much kerfluffle going on. Yeah, they seem, they seem to know exactly where they fit. That, and, and as they relate to each other, they are fine. The big issue is Adi, our Springer Spaniel. Um, his instinct is just overwhelming. He wants to get after them like nobody's business. Yeah, yeah the minute we... Um, 
we took that we've got them within the deer fence, which is seven feet tall, and Adi's not allowed in there, and he can't get in. Um, and then they're in that chicken coop. So there's a kind of a double layer of security there, we hope. Um, but so what we did was we took them in their boxes. The people at the farm center boxed them up for us and with a you know whole ventilations for their breathing and um, put them immediately into their coop because today while they're getting used to their new home, we decided, and, and yesterday we decided um, they didn't need to be free range quite yet. We didn't want them to fly off. Uh, we don't plan to clip their wings, so we're hoping to keep them at home. And they'll stay together. We're pretty confident about that. But we just thought right at first they need to be confined. So we put them in there, and Adi just, he sensed something was up. He was right outside that gate just barking and howling and trying to get in. It was annoying, to say the least. Annoying is a nice word for it. It was scary, um, actually, to well, watch yeah how aggressively he wanted to get after them and so we've had to just keep him on a leash or inside all day long and it's exhausting um we can't keep this up but talk about what you've been doing which i think is the right approach to trying to train the dog we've been we've read and been told that dogs can be trained to be able to be around chickens without attacking them the basic approach we're taking is systematic desensitization. We're trying to let him experience getting close to the chickens, but always under our control. And when he barks or lunges at them, we jerk his leash back. And that's unpleasant for him, so it's, an un, it's a negative stimulus. And then when he stays calm, and especially when he sits down calmly, we try to praise him and encourage him and so forth. And we were actually making pretty good progress until he lunged and I pulled the leash back and the leash broke. It was one of these cheap, flimsy ones that uh, somehow we must have gotten mixed up at the vet and our good one ended up at the vet and we ended up with that cheap, flimsy one. And so that is what broke. Um, and luckily you were able to grab his collar and... and get him away from the chicken coop while I ran up and get the got the good lead. But what was scary, as you said earlier, was to see how quickly when he was free, he lunged at that coop, went right up to it. Those poor girls were scared. I felt so bad for them. I felt bad for us too. We were scared for them. And um, it was just a, a really unpleasant situation there. But we finally got him under control and Things are quieted down now. He's lying um, quietly at our feet as we record this podcast. And that's the calmest that he's been. So, you know, we hope that he'll, what we're hoping is, it's like you said, with systematic desensitization, we hope he will become less aware and stimulated uh, by these chickens. You know, maybe they'll, he'll start to become accustomed to their presence yeah, we may never be able to just trust him around them. I don't know. We're, that remains to be seen because right now my plan is when they're not, if they're ever out, you know, not contained in something, it will be on Veg Hill, which is fenced in and without his being able to be there. And I think that is false security because if he decides he wants to get in that Veg Hill fence, he can get in and tear tear up the fence in the process. Well, and that's what we're worried about right now, and we're working on that. Yeah, so. and I, as a result, I'm not 
I don't think keeping them on Veg Hill is going to turn out to be a long-term winner. I think we're going to have to move them maybe out on the orchard floor where uh, and just train him to become relaxed around the chickens. I, I know that's a tall order, but I cannot have him wanting to get in the Veg Hill fence and be and feel shut out because he'll tear it up. I know. Well, like I said, that's what we're working on, and we're we're new at this, so we'll just have another report yeah. later. And if we sound discouraged, I I think we are. We're we're it's just been a long day, <laughs> yeah. a long and difficult day trying to keep him under control, and um, you know, we were really looking forward to this with such eager anticipation and. By all rights, this should be a joyful day, but it has not been a joyful day. It's been a trying and difficult mm -hmm. day. Like I said, we're just hoping that he'll, we can, as as we work with him, um, he will learn because it's. You've taught him a lot about in other ways. You know, he came to us as an adult dog, and you've taught him not to lunge into the door ahead of us. Um, he, not that he doesn't ever break his, you know break with tradition and do it but he's he knows some commands he'll sit when you tell him to you even have him so he'll say the blessing before meals so i feel that we can there is hope of training him i think there's hope as well but this is going to be tough because he's got such a powerful instinct to go after these birds right but we're, we're trying to train him to do you know the other stuff that you've described is a lot of fun but basically he he doesn't have an instinct that tells him not to do those things. He's got an instinct that tells him to go eat those chickens. Yeah. And or at least are, to try to catch them. We don't know about eating, but to We are to trying chase. to um, mm -hmm. to go against that instinct, and that's going to be difficult. All right. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're planning to do to care for them. We have uh, scratch feed that is their basic diet, and we will keep that. In the coop most of the time, although I hope when we can get them free-ranging that they'll that their main diet will be grass and bugs. Right. Some weed. Well, grass and weeds and bugs. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yes. And uh, we also have a little oyster shell to offer them every two to three days. That's important for their calcium. When they're laying uh, um, regularly, as these are, these are all four pullets, less than a year old, so. Um, presumably they are entering their prime laying time and they are going to need a lot of calcium. And then the other uh, thing we're going to add to their diet is garlic. I read that garlic is good in all kinds of ways for chickens, um, just in short, good for their immune system. And uh, I just happen to grow garlic, so I've got some garlic to offer. And how did you decide you're going to offer it to them? The first thing I'll try is crushed raw garlic so i don't have to cook it yet you can put it in their water and have them drink a solution of it but there's also the chance they may not like the taste of the water as much yeah and, and might get too much yeah you if, do, that's right they're not supposed to have too much it can irritate their intestines so um what i would do is regulate how much garlic i put into their um, feeding area every day and we'll just see what they do are you saying that you have to crush it for them? Yes. You can't just put a clove of garlic in there? Well, I've been told, I've, I mean, I've read crushed garlic, right, that you crush it up yourself I and see. put it in. Okay. But I have a mortar and pestle, and I can do that. It's not, All right. not an issue. Um, so, um, and of course, the other 
topic that's kind of fun to talk about is naming them. Yes, we've had people tell us, oh, don't get attached, don't give them names. I can't help it. I'm already attached. So my my first girl, who was the bravest one, because she was the, when she you opened the box for her to go into her new environment, into the chicken coop, she just waltzed right in without hesitation. And her name is Imogene. She's the smallest one. And the other three need names. And uh, there's one big one who seems to be the dominant in the pecking order and is the most vocal. She has a lot to say. And if nobody else names her, I'm calling her Big Bertha. We'll see. And I'm the resident fuddy-duddy who is still over here saying I don't have any plans to name our chickens. So I don't, I'm not trying to participate in this naming business. I just want them to be happy and healthy. And we're allowing our five-year-old grandson to name one of them within reason. If he, if he, (laughs) as long as his suggestion is um, palatable. But um, the last time I talked to him, he has a little girlfriend and he was going to name the chicken after the girlfriend. But that was a couple of months ago and he may have a different girlfriend now. So we'll Ah, find out. The erratic path of young love. (laughs) That's right. But we have really enjoyed being with you and telling you about our new family members. And, of course, we'll keep you updated about our adventures with our chickens over the coming podcasts. Uh, In the meantime, I hope you have a great week and happy Easter. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.